the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. Uh, He wasn't killed. He lived on to disobey the teacher all the way through primary primary school. But that's why the Apostle Paul writes, Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every giant will fall the mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible with you Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are blessed and honored that you've chosen to spend time with us today, and we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's program, Pastor Keith continues our study from the Gospel of Matthew entitled, Lord, Teach Us to Pray. So if you have your Bibles... Please return with us to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. What is going on here? This, lead us not in temptation, secondly, is a plea. It's a plea. It's a plea, a petition like other petitions that recognizes our need. So number two is that it is a plea. Lead us not into temptation. Why? Because we can be like moths to a flame. We can be like, the, like a bass, in a, bass in, a, in, a, in a lake. Lured and tempted and carried away. Trusting in ourselves. What does it say? There's a, a way that seems right to a man. Obviously not to a fish. But in the end, it is the way of death. And we see this throughout the Bible, this warning about our desires, about our ability to take something good and turn it into something bad. That is the nature of the fall. The Lord's Prayer is really filled with something we call anthropology, the doctrine of man. And I want to go back to an old friend that we've used in the last two weeks, Proverbs 30, verses 8 through 9. And the writer of Proverbs says this, it's a prayer Remove far from me falsehood and lying. 
Why? Because human beings are inclined to lie, either through omission or commission, right? And then he says, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Give us this day our daily bread. Why? Verse 9, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. This man knows what he's capable of. And you can see these principles. You can, this is like an Old Testament version almost of the Lord's Prayer. And this, this writer understands, Solomon understands that regardless of how well or poorly things are going, he's capable of turning lemonade into a lemon, of turning a win into a loss, of responding wrongly to his life situation and turning a trial that would strengthen and improve his faith into a temptation that would lead him to stumble and fall. Lead us not into temptation represents an acknowledgement of our weakness as fallen human beings and, our, and the necessity of our dependence upon God to keep us out of harm's way, to deliver us from evil. And it, as it is an acknowledgement of our proclivities towards sin and even self-enticement. Human beings need protection from themselves, not just the devil. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's why you, God uses in the Bible, he uses the sheep analogy. Because sheep will wander and stray. Sheep will do things to harm themselves. You know, the, only, the only thing dumber than a sheep is a chicken. You know, but they weren't into chickens in the Middle East. They were into sheep. But growing up in the South, have you ever seen a chicken in a rainstorm? A bitty, a little baby chicken? They'll turn up and try to drink the rainwater and drown themselves. They are just dumb, but good eating, right? And so that's what happens, you know. We're like moths to a flame. Lead us not into temptation. We're like children who just have to test our limits, which brings us to Paul Dunwoody. When I was in the second grade, this left a lifelong impression on me. Paul was the guy who always did what the teacher said not to do. So in those days, we celebrated Christmas in public school. So they were setting up the Christmas tree and the teacher said, stay away from it. And why, why Miss Riggs said this? And whatever you do, don't take out one of those light bulbs and stick your finger in there. Paul Dunwoody, that was, those were his marching orders. And I remember hearing a scream and a pop and teachers, you know, grown-ups running around like chickens with their heads cut off. And Paul Dunwoody had, boom, you know. And uh, apparently Paul drooled a little bit because there was a burn or a red spot where the drool was too when he electrocuted himself. Uh, he wasn't killed. He lived on to disobey the teacher all the way through primary school. Primary school. But that's why the Apostle Paul writes, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. Why did he write this? Well, the context of this is, shall we sin more that grace may, ab may abound more? Paul understood human nature. And so 
in the model prayer, because Jesus understands human nature, having created us, he says, and pray like this, think like this, don't let me hurt me. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, when you read verse 13, particularly as a new believer or as an unbeliever, it's hard to imagine that we are petitioning God to protect us from something akin to his choice. On the surface, again, we look at it and says, lead us not to temptation. You get the impression that God could lead us astray or would lead us astray under the right circumstances. That's because we like to blame shift, right? When we look at our culture today, all of our problems are somebody else's fault. But again, you have to think of the context. And so I want you to look at this statement thirdly as a, as a, in, in the sense of its enigmatic statement. It, it's an enigma. It's a paradox. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Again, admittedly, there is a bit of a paradox here because it looks like we're saying, God, protect us. Protect us from your choices. And so this statement, lead us not into temptation, is a bit of an enigma. If you pull this verse out of context and in isolation and isolate it away from the near context of forgive us our debts or give us this day our daily bread or the wider context of scripture. That's why we use scripture to interpret scripture. We take a less clear passage sometimes and hold it up under the light of a clearer passage, a more comprehensive statement. And we understand that sometimes there appears to be what we call an apparent contradiction, something that seems contradictory, but upon closer examination is complementary, harmonizes with the rest of scripture. And when you go through the rest of scripture, the character of God is enough to help us understand that this plea understand what this plea or this petition does not mean. I mean, who else makes us lie down in green pastures, right? Who else leads us beside the still, the calm, the safe waters? Who else restores our souls? Who else leads us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake? All of scripture tells us that God is good and holy and righteous. And that's why he tells us, be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. And so, Why then would a holy God lead us into a place where he knew we would fail? What does the Bible say? Does the Bible say that God does not tempt us to sin? It does. The Bible says that God does not, he cannot be tempted and nor does he tempt other people to sin. The Bible says that temptation is our problem. It's our wrong response to God's commands. The Bible tells us not even to think about God as the tempter or somebody who would lead you into into a temptation that is too much for you or that he would not provide for you. So where can we go to find a really simple, clear statement like that? James, right? James chapter 1, 13 through 16, summarizes all of that neatly. It's in the wider context of Scripture in the New Testament, and it says this, and I want you to watch this play out because James anticipates the kind of thinking that wants to blame God. Why is God doing this to me? And James 1, 13 through 16 says this, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For because God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. 
Think of the bass. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Verse 16 is a transition between this thought and the next thought, which says God, you know, is the father of lights who only sends good things to us. So you can't help but notice the genesis of sin, so to speak, in James 1, 13 through 16. We are lured and enticed by our own desire. Think of a moth to a flame or a bass to a lure. We are self-enticed. We are tempted and carried away by our own desires. We see the opportunity. We want to cut ourselves some slack. We do a few dress rehearsals in our minds and then boom, we go. And it says, don't kid yourself. It's your fault. Now the word temptation, the word trial in the New Testament, parasmoi, is the same word. But its meaning differs by context. For instance, in James, it says, count it all joy whenever you encounter various and sundry trials, parasmoi, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its perfecting, completing, maturing work, leaving you adequate and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, whenever you fall into a trial, a trial comes from the outside. The word fall into is the same word for like falling into a hole, peripepto in the Greek. Or he fell in among thieves, you know, the story of the good Samaritan, the guy that was robbed. Something that happens to you. A temptation is different. It arises from within you. You're tempted and carried away by your own desires. And so when, that's why when I say sometimes he leads us in the paths of righteousness through the deep dark valley to teach us to depend on him and we choose to do something else. It arises from within us. We decide we know better than God knows like Adam and Eve, like you and me when we choose to make the wrong choices. It, it, it begs the question too, does God ever give us more than we can handle without providing for us, without giving us this day our daily bread? The answer is no, he never does that. He never gives you more than he can handle or if he does, he provides you the extra added grace you need to persevere in the trial. How do we know that? The, the wider context of scripture, 1 Corinthians ten twelve through 13. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. In other words, don't trust yourself. You need to be protected from yourself. Verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man, but God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. When you think of David's overreach in uh, committing adultery with Bathsheba, he looked at her and he said, who is that? And you know, his counselors go, is this not the granddaughter of your chief counselor, Ahithophel? I.e., maybe you should look the other way, but David thinks he can handle it the way people look at internet porn sites and things like that. Flirting with temptation, tempted and carried away by his own desire. He could have turned away, but no, he was confident in himself and he fell. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it is the way of death. Or a young couple not protecting themselves from temptation again and again and again and falling into fornication despite the counsel and loving correction of the elders of their church. 
God provides a way out so that we can blame no one but ourselves. You see that in verse 13b. And in verse 13a, you see that God is faithful. And so we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil because we recognize that we need help. Does God lead us into sin? Does he lead us into the paths of darkness? He doesn't. James and 1 Corinthians and the whole council of scripture provides us insight into this enigmatic statement, lead us not into temptation and into the necessity of following God, our good shepherd. So it is God, our good shepherd that leads us away from our temptation, leading us into the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, if we will follow. So grammatically, practically, paradoxically, We need to pray. We need to think then this way. Lead us not into temptation. Protect us from ourselves. Protect me from me. Which brings us to insight or uh, perspective number four. Lead us not into temptation is a petition that is a necessity. It is a necessity. Lead us not into temptation. On the contrary, deliver us from evil. Sin in this world and its scars and imprint upon our hearts necessitates a petition like this, a thought process like this, a thought process that does not put its trust in itself, an expression of dependence and an admission that we have a very real need to be restrained by God. By necessity, we must pray, protect us from ourselves and deliver us from the devil. It is at times a sad reality. We really, when you get down to it, only have two enemies in this world. Satan and his servants, of course, his system. That's why it says deliver us from evil and ourselves. Lead us not into temptation speaks of God restraining us from our basest inclinations to sin, to overreach, to push the envelope, to look this way when Miss Riggs turns her backs and to stick our fingers in the Christmas tree socket. We can be like unthinking beasts, driven by impulses, like a fish looking at a lure. That's why you read, that's why you read this. You know, we, we've referred to the penitential Psalms a number of times throughout this series, Psalm 32, Psalm 51. In Psalm 32, God says to David, I will counsel you with my eye upon you. And then it's followed by a warning. Do not be like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle or it will not stay near you. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil because we like sheep have gone astray and we will, each of us, turn to our own way if given half a chance. We are prone to wander, as the old hymn says, from the fount of every blessing. We are prone to follow our impulses and our thought processes. And so by necessity, we must think and pray this way. Oh God, lead us not into temptation. Protect me from my inclinations. Deliver us, deliver me from evil. We cannot follow our hearts. Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-six says this. And I'm going to change the translation, but I like it the way it's rendered in the New American Standard. Whoever trusts in his own heart is a fool. 
but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. You know, how many times do you hear in our culture, just follow your heart? Well, the heart is desperately wicked. And so we pray, wisdom prays, lead us not into temptation. Our Kent Hughes writes this, being willing and able to authentically pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one is a huge key to spiritual health. It is also part of the Lord Jesus Christ's perfect pattern for prayer. And so this is something that should attend our prayers every day, an acknowledgement, a recognition of how sinful we are. Pray then like this in invisible ink. Think then like this. Lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation and in its context is a prayer that aligns us with the will of God, that reminds us of our need of a relationship with him. It's a prayer that causes us not simply to pray rightly, but to think rightly as we continually and habitually seek to hallow and revere his name, to advance his kingdom, to make his will the priority, to seek him for daily provision, to seek forgiveness for our past sins and seek protection from future sin. And with these petitions and affirmations comes a self-awareness that we are dependent upon God, that he is God, that he is our king, and that we do well to follow him, to stay close to him without being restrained by the bit and bridle, but being impelled by the Holy Spirit and by right thinking, which leads to right attitudes and practices. And so we must daily think and pray like this. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We need to never let our guard down. Because when we think that we're going to stand on our own, we know then that we're going to fall. The question is, by way of application, do we pray this way? Are our prayers every day attended by the understanding and the desire not to turn a trial into a temptation, not to turn an opportunity to grow into an opportunity to sin. Do we pray this way now? Do you really think that you need to pray this way in earnest, soberly, humbly? In other words, will you pray the way that Jesus prescribes? Regardless of how many decades you've been a Christian, Are you aware of just how liable you are to sin? This is a prayer for deliverance from temptation and the power of the devil. Is it part of your prayer every day? And if you and I have been lax, are we willing to make this part of our daily prayers? Think about it. Then think this way. Then pray then this way. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Protect me, O God, from me and the devil. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the model prayer. Father, help us to pray then like this, to think then like this, day in and day out, Lord. Help us to follow the prescriptions of the Son of God, God the Son, the Savior of the world. As we head into... Resurrection Sunday and Good Friday and the weeks to come remind us, Lord, of just how great a salvation you have given us and how often, how often we are prone to wander. And Lord, 
through this prayer, through praying like this, conform us to the image of your Son. Align us with your cause. Command us to do what you will. And by your Spirit, through his word, cause us to do as you've commanded. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408-269-4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live Radio program is a listener-supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.